0: Hey, Samir. Hi, even. How's God been working in your life this past
1: week? God's been, he's interesting. He's speaking to me. speaking about some things about how to solve problems and why I do what I do. You know, God sometimes highlights things you don't see about yourself. Like what? Things like how you, why you respond the way you respond, or what is triggering this kind of action or attitude in your relationships with certain people, and I think you can respond the same way for years and not know why. And you think it's just because of this or this, but you don't really know the root issue. So I think God is just highlighting some things in my life. That I'm like, man, I need to check that. I need to work on that. I need to move that around. So that's been good. It's been good because I think even though God God kind of brings things to our attention, not in a condemning way, but in a gentle way. Like, you know what I mean? Like Not like, look at this. This is how horrible you are. More like... Look at this thing in your life. How can we work together to change it? You know, it's just a different position. So that's been what has been happening in my life. Just God highlighting some key things in my life and why I do what I do, why I respond the way I respond. So it's been a
0: challenging week. Can you give an example of something that happened to you over the last week that uh, forced you to confront that kind of attitude in your life?
1: It's crazy. It's funny when I don't want to give details, so I'm being very discreet for a reason. But it's crazy that two people back to back, they not only told me what I did, they talked about the issue that I didn't see right back to back. Like, it's weird. like I was getting dropped off at seven o'clock. Pastor Sam's in the car with me. He talk, he's talking about the theme or the topic that I've been struggling with. I, I didn't know I was struggling with it, and he's just talking about the theme. Two seconds later, I go in the house and Faith brings up the same theme and how it's actually triggering my responses in different areas. And I'm like, they didn't talk. I didn't even know I had this issue. And I'm like, man, God, I see your handedness. Because it's like you're highlighting something to me through people that I wasn't aware of. Like, he could have spoken directly to me. But I think I was kind of like, oh, I've already dealt with that. But God, I think, was using people to reveal things to me about myself. And he's done that in the Bible with like David and like, how are you so unaware of what you're doing is wrong. But God brings people to your presence to sometimes reflect what's happening, what you don't see.
0: You know what I mean? And the moment they're kind of like prophets for your own life. Exactly. So that's how
1: God's been working my life recently. So how's God been working your life?
0: Uh, I think the most obvious way that God uh, worked in my life in, in the last week was, you know, like when a, a friend shares with you a video And then you just ignore the video because you're busy with other stuff. And in the back of your mind, you're telling yourself, I need to get back to it. I need to watch it just to say that I did it. Yes. So a friend of mine uh, sent me a sermon about this church member who had momentarily died, gone to hell, gone to heaven. And I kind of thought to myself, okay, this is just going to be like over sensational. I don't know if I really want to commit 45 minutes of my time to Mm -hmm. watching this. But, like, I figured, you know what, I want to have a conversation with this guy eventually. Yes. And so I'm going to have to watch the video, and it's going to have to be a a point of discussion for us. So I just took the plunge, watched the sermon, and I thought to myself, I I have no way of verifying whether any of this is real, but it seems like what this guy is talking about is theologically plausible. And more importantly, uh, this was... One of the last sermons uh, that was delivered by the church in person before COVID-19 kind of came in and screwed everything up. And this was a fact that was addressed within the sermon itself of like, uh even though COVID-19 is coming in and it's scaring everybody, it's not the worst thing that can happen to you. The worst thing that can happen to you is dying before you know Jesus and you go to hell. And it's like, I, I think right now we're in a period of time where everyone is freaking out. Yeah, I, I, I think like for for people, 2020 keeps surprising us in the worst ways because we think to ourselves, this is about as bad as it gets. And then somehow things just get worse. And in what we're talking about right now, uh, it, for our topic uh, in today's episode, it's like, it seems that uh, just as the United States was poised to make a recovery, a stumbled recovery nonetheless, but a recovery all the same, you get this uh, black guy killed by the cops, and that causes riots all across the country, and the attitude of fear, it's even reflected here in Canada, and it's like... Canada, I don't know what its tipping point is going to be, but I have the feeling that things here are also going to get worse somehow. And there's a point where it becomes a perfect storm, and it's it's one thing to say that, like, the government is behind all of this, or Antifa is behind all of this, or Black Lives Matter is all behind this, But, like, at the end of the day, we're dealing with uh, spiritual warfare. And the fact that, like, this is happening right now, just as we're all trying to recover, it feels like a spiritual attack. And I I think the best thing that I can hope for is, like, I can't hope in myself. I can't do anything. Mm. But God can still do something. And I can still put my faith and trust in him that he's sovereign and that somehow this is all part of his plan,
1: yeah, no, that's a really interesting comment because I think things are bad in the sense that, like, we're at 20% unemployment, like, which is almost record breaking unemployment and close to the Great Depression records, or worse. I think it's almost worse than the Great Depression. I think it's nearing that, yeah. It's nearing that. Uh, COVID 19 doesn't have a solution. We're just kind of living with it right now and trying to reopen in phases, but. No one's buying that right now because of this whole riot thing. So COVID-19 is in the play. And then this racial tension between the whites and blacks or police or... Um, protesters. Protesters. It's like, to bring a solution, I just see this order. And I don't really trust the leadership of Trump enough to bring order into all of this chaos.
0: And that's saying something because you already like him.
1: And not not that I like like I think i I have to I love him because I'm a Christian, but I don't agree with everything he does, and I don't agree with everything he says, but I do agree with some of the things he says and some of the things he does, but Trump lacks some leadership qualities in the sense that he doesn't tend to bring peace to things like if me and you're fighting, he comes into the picture, one of us are gonna get more mad. you know what I mean it's not like he can calm both of us down. He seems to type to kind of bring about more frustration and because he speaks very, No, I like blunt people, but you need to be wise too. You need to be careful how you communicate what you say at certain times and certain places. So I'm afraid that he's just, he's, he doesn't have the leadership qualities to navigate all this, especially his comments at times can be very impatient. So he says things out of an impatient place like, Oh, look at all these thugs. I think that's what I recently heard. Like, it's adding fuel to the fire. It's not going to calm it down. You know, you need to be wise. Do you know what I'm saying? You need to be wise when you're dealing with tensions, racial tensions, COVID tensions, unemployment tensions. People are frustrated. People are angry. Like, is this the worst time has ever been? No. So I don't want to over-exaggerate what we're going through. But if we don't solve what the heck's going on right now with the tension, with racial, with COVID-19... And the unemployment rate, things are going to get worse. Yeah. Things are for sure going to get worse.
0: I'm counting on things getting worse.
1: You want it to get worse?
0: Well, it's just like, I, yeah. I think when you like you look into the future that the prophets and Revelation mm-hmm. predict of how it's like this totalitarian regime where people are given the mark of the beast and all of these plagues and uh, famines are occurring. And um, and how Jesus said like when the end times are near, there's going to be wars and rumors of wars, and uh, there's going to be a lot of infighting. It's like things have to get worse eventually until they reach rock mm-hmm. bottom.
1: I get what you're saying. You're saying because the the prophecies lead to this really this horrible time that we're going to face before Christ's return. All this is leading up to it, essentially. Yeah. Yeah, and you know what? That could be re- the reality, or that could be from a thousand years from now. And that's like the sad thing. It's like, how much times have people thought that it's always just around the corner? Paul thought that with the Roman Empire when they were burning Christians. I couldn't, I bet anyone that was living through the Great Depression thought that too, that this is about as worse it's it's going to get. So,
0: especially with World War II on the horizon.
1: Oh, 100%. So, I think every generation always thinks that Christ. It's coming in their time, but... Yeah, we should always be ready to receive him and we should always be ready to expect him. But I don't personally think these are going to be the building blocks for that. I don't know. We'll we'll see. But I I think, though, things could be bad and still the end not come. Do you know what I mean? Like the Great Depression was a bad time and the end didn't come. So I'm not so much looking forward for the return of Christ. Like, I don't think that's around the corner. But we could step into another Great Depression and remain there for some time. So if I might
0: ask, the, the response to what's going on in the States, there was uh, this guy named George Floyd. He was arrested killed. and then killed. On the spot. On the spot. With like the guy's knees on his neck. Yeah. Over the fact that he may or may not, probably did not forge uh, a $20 bill. What is your immediate response to
1: something like that? I think we need justice. I don't even think it's a white or black thing. I think it's police overstepping their line, overusing their power, thinking they're the top. Sometimes the way police officers walk and talk is as if they're kings here on earth. You know what I mean? There's this pride and arrogance at times. So I think there needs to be severe consequences for police officers that cross the line. And I also think that to enter the academy should should bring about hesitancy in anyone that wants to apply because they should also forewarn them. If you guys are here to kind of stroke your egos to to kind of feel like they're important or something like that, so the, and so you're wanting to enter in so that you can kind of step on people. There's going to be consequences, maybe more than just a civilian. I think I think the consequence for cops should be more than just any civilian because they have greater responsibility. So I think making that tweak in the system I think is essential. I think we need to get justice for George. Um, but then this is where I disagree with what's happening currently. I think there's bitterness sometimes and anger that can come out of these situations that brings about responses like riots and that we see in Minnesota. Have you seen the riots and so.
0: I've seen video footage, yes.
1: And I think to me it's the most st- stupid thing because Imagine we're roommates and you piss me off. You get me so angry, and then I just say, "You know what?" And I just smash the windows. I start punch the walls, make dents, and then and then after I calm down and we make peace, you still expect me to pay for everything that I just broke,
0: right? And you still broke what was essentially your own house.
1: Exactly. So it's like that's how I see it. It's like, how does this help? Except that you legit put on a fit and the fit has led into damage and the damages has in turn brought about tax. The taxes are going to get crazy after this whole COVID-19 situation. But now with, with these riots, I think taxes are going to increase for them too, because they've destroyed a lot of things. You know what I mean? Yes. And who's going to pay for it? Obviously them. So it's like how they're trying to bring about justice is wrong. One. And two, I think, This is maybe a separate point, and maybe you could continue on this point. It's like, what is the problem? Essentially, like we have to define the problem so we could define the solution. So, is the problem racism, or is the problem police abusing their power? And if we say if it's racism, or how do we bring a solution? So, some people want just vengeance, but what the heck does vengeance do? So, what if the solution if the problem is racism, which is a hard issue? How do you bring about that change? It's, and I, the only thing I find it interesting that John Piper, who was in Minnesota before, I think, or midway, or after his conversion, he was somewhat of a racist. And he admits to it and he talks about how Christ dealt with him and he worked on his heart and God transformed that. You know, he changed him. I think for me, there's no hope outside of Christ for internal change. I think externally you can put enough social pressures that is a it hides. Uh, someone said this in the barbershop recently that the fraternity flag, the flag, the KVK flag went from the outside into the inside of the house. Which is a very interesting comment. What he's saying is it's just more hidden. Racism didn't disappear. It just became hidden. So my, my response to then racism isn't let's just publicly shame racism so much that it disappears because it won't. Of course. So then what is the agenda? So the agenda then has become, let's just make it... If you are even a racist, be afraid to mention it. Because if you are, your career is done. That's what we've done, right? Because if you're called a racist, if you're caught as a racist, you don't have a job. No more worse. You, You, like the girl got fired. There are a lot of people, this guy's going to jail. But we think that solves the issue. It doesn't. That what it does is just hides racism. And because of consequences, people are just internalizing it or in their hearts they keep this hatred so i think only christ is big enough to transform human hearts and if christians especially that think that the riot will bring about something as justice and it can transform people's hearts aren't completely deceived i think christians have to be aware that yes we want justice but we do not take vengeance nor do we think that the government can transform people's hearts but we believe christ and the holy spirit in man can transform people's hearts. So we need to identify the solution. I mean, identify the problem so we can correctly identify the solution. But if we can't clearly think about these two questions, then we're just responding in anger, responding in bitterness, responding in frustration. And it really brings about more chaos than order. But what's your thoughts of what was going on currently?
0: So the response that I want to give to that First of all, I I think for black people in the United States Mm. in particular, there is this constant feeling of oppression that's been going on and on and on for Mm. 300 years. Mm. And right now, debatably, it's not as bad as it was, say, in the 1800s or in the 1950s Mm. when you would get beaten or get lynched because of the color of your skin. But there is still that that feeling of oppression and infinite resignation that, like, things are just never going to get better. When when I was down in the States last year, I didn't see people get heckled. Uh, I didn't see them get uh, abused or attacked in racist ways. But, like, I could still feel this weight of burden that I've seen First Nations people here in Canada. And it's like the black people in the States, they act the same way as first nation people here in canada and it's it's just like it was it was so weird seeing that but at the same time once you saw it you could understand how these people felt what kind of struggles they they felt like they were going through mm. and so i think like on a national level there's that for for a more specific city level of minneapolis minnesota uh it's interesting it's got a Democrat mayor, but it has, the city itself has one of the largest income disparities uh between black people and white people uh in the entire country. I think like uh, white people make like on average $88,000 a year, mm. black people make $36,000 a year. And so I think like within there, there's like that inner tension of like, I see that you have what I don't have. I see that you're excluding me because I'm not part of your race. And even though you're going to say that uh, you're against racism and you're against hating black people, in reality, you don't want to have anything to do with me. And because of that, I hate you. And so you have that and in a way, it's, it's sort of like, I, I kind of feel like this is divine judgment in a way. Mm. Because like, this is people's worst impulses coming together and just exposing sin. And it's, it's all over a horrible tragedy that shouldn't have happened. For me, my, my impression of the police, I can't speak for the police in the States. I've had a, a few run-ins with the law here in Canada. Nothing too serious but just, like, enough to the point where I didn't exactly feel safe in that moment. I just had to keep up with the resolve of, like, I can't be snarky, I can't back-talk these people. I just have to be calm and compliant, and hopefully I don't get my face smashed against the wall, you know? Back in high school, I also did videography work, and uh, one of the things that I had to film was uh, my high school's training program for police officers, And so, like, I was able to see the amount of hard work and uh, dedication that these teenagers, young adults, were going through just to become cops and security officers. And and so, like, what? no matter what, I still have respect for police officers because I know what they've gone through in order to get to where they are. But at the same time, most of the people in that training program, whenever I had my video camera pointed at them, they were like making stupid faces and doing stupid things for the camera. And I just, like, I, I, I couldn't help but think to myself, if this is going to be the next generation of police officers, we're screwed.
1: I think police competence is so vital to be investigated and refined after this incident. But also, I think, I think maybe even requiring some sort of college education, you know, you can just go straight from high school to become a police officer. But, you see, education is not so much what I I think I'm asking more, some sort of maybe character reform, and I think you know when you watch a lot of cop movies, you see the cops. They are very like they t- they swear at one another. They're very they're these moral agents for to protect the country, but they're very immoral at times. You know they're very like they're at the bar and they're cussing their friend out, or they're like you know have you seen those movies, the cop movies? Have you ever seen any cop movies?
0: I've seen a lot of Brooklyn Nine Nine,
1: and they're very like they're always like. Modest.
0: Um, Brooklyn Nine-Nine is a very exaggerated show, but it it's, uh, it doesn't necessarily portray their uh, characters as highly moral, I'd say.
1: Yeah, and I think so. Why do we expect highly unmoral individuals to carry out very moral. Acts like, do you know what I mean? Like to protect people and to to not get mad when people are talking back to you and to like, how are we giving these people guns? You know, so to me, I would really question, just not so much like, what is, why is that entry to police officers easy, or is it easy, or is it unfair? But I would question that system. Then I would also question. I have to challenge Black people in one way that, especially Black Christians, maybe not Black people that are in the world the black people in the world they can react the way they react they can do whatever they want to do they could riot they could break stuff they can be bitter but in our scriptures it tells us to not let our hearts be bitter uh and let nothing in us be bitter and the way that i've seen bitterness from my own life get overcome when bad things happen to me or when people betray me is legit do what jesus says when he says do not pray for your enemies bless them not only for the families that have been affected, but we need to pray for the cop. Yeah. We need to actually bless him. We need to pray that he would find Christ if he doesn't or, and when you do that, trust me, you'll see how much bitterness leaves your heart and anger and frustration. And you could actually start thinking clear. And you could actually make calls that are for justice, but not just, you're not responding in anger, but you're responding in a right way of thinking. And you're like, this is actually fair. This is what he deserves. You know, we're not saying he shouldn't be going to jail. We Like, we're not saying that. But what I am saying is how we respond to this guy and the condition of our hearts matters. And when we're angry, we don't make the best decisions. When we're bitter, we don't make the best decision. So my advice for anyone that's listening and that's angry, bitter, please stop sharing your thoughts and just go pray for the families that are affected, for the other family. And if you can't pray for them, you're in no position to make calls on what we should do for justice or what we should do for moving forward because your heart is for sure not in that right disposition. So that is my advice. And I think when we can pray for them in a right way, then we can move forward with how they should be handled. How they should what are the things in the system that need to be revised and reformed? But I don't see a lot of even Black Christians that are being swooped into this whole culture of I'm bitter, I'm angry, I'm gonna do whatever I want to do to get justice. And I think then I I kind of have to back off and say, then I can't ride this train with you guys any longer, you know? This is where I would get off the train. So that's my other response to the Black community. Yeah, Have you ever been at a point in your
0: life where you felt like you were oppressed by a higher authority figure, maybe like a boss? Doesn't necessarily have to be a police officer, but like a boss or a, a teacher just because of the color of your skin? <sighs>
1: Um, I think slightly so. I think being black, especially being black and immigrant, black immigrants get worse than, in my opinion, than just African Americans. I think you just, you're looked at as a fog. Like, you don't know English. People kind of make fun of you. So being a immigrant as a, it invites that sense of maybe not oppression, but Mistreatment and mis and racism and I just saw some guy two days ago, three days ago. The guy parked on the line. He didn't even cross the line, but you know how there's two lines in a like in a square to go into. Do you know how there's like a little square that you have to fit into when you park?
0: I don't drive. So therefore, I don't have much experience with parking lots, but I can imagine what yeah. that would be like. To just
1: give people space. And he was on the line a little bit. He's like, and this is not even a white guy. It was an Indian guy. He says, you should go back to Africa. And he says it's a Somali guy. And he, I turned my head and I saw, and he saw me and he freaked out because he knew I didn't know what he was saying. And he thought I was not going to say anything. I said, what did you say? And I came up to him and he said, what, what? And I said, did you just tell him to go back to Africa? And then he's like, yeah, but he's not parking the way that did it. And. I said, you have no right to tell someone to go back to Africa. Who are you to say that to him? And this is a pretty big dude. Like, I'm not talking to some kid. I'm talking to a grown man. And he felt embarrassed because uh, we are right in front. There There's a group of people around there. So he kept his mouth shut and then he went in the car. But you see racism, especially as I see it more towards immigrants. I sense I tend to see them being oppressed and mistreated more than I do African-Americans. That's my what I've observed. This is my experience, at least in Canada.
0: Is is there anything uh, else that uh, you'd want to talk about? Any questions you'd want to ask me before we wrap this up? I think you said a lot. So I, I, I just want to make mention, uh, this is uh, Samir's mm-hmm. final episode for now. We do have at least one more episode in the indefinite future that we're planning on doing together. He's not getting raptured, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. He's not going down to California. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he is just, he's going to be with his family. He's yeah. going to be attending Bethel mm-hmm. down in California. And so it, it's been like, it's been a good year with you, man. Out of the, the time that we spent together and the time that we've been doing this podcast, what would you say have been the biggest takeaways for you?
1: I think living in this house has been incredible. I think, by the way, you're the best for me I've ever had. I've lived with a bunch of people but i would say hands down you're one of the best roommates i've had just because i think we respected we had mutual respect and also it was easy to you were easy guy to work with you didn't give me a hard time at times yes we had low little but overall archingly like they're slim to none compared to the whole year so what my biggest takeaways from this year would be that i'm just proud of you man i think seeing you Go through your road close to Raj, but seeing your life now compared to when you were at Vanguard, it's almost to me as it's pretty crazy to witness when God has a hold on someone's lives and you see the progression and the transformation slowly, just like a butterfly and you're just observing it. It's pretty incredible. So I would say what I've observed living with you is I've seen that transformation firsthand. You know, there's a difference when like you haven't seen someone in a year and then you see them again and you're like, oh, my goodness, you're so different. You talk different. You act different. But I've seen the progress. I've seen the inches of growth in your life. And I've seen and I think that to me is just incredible to see people grow and improve and develop in that. And so I think I've seen I'm proud of you for that. The other takeaway is just you've taught me a lot, too, I think taught me a lot about responsibility, financial responsibility, and just even being more conscious in certain areas of life. But, But I think even spiritually, and there's some lessons that I've learned here. So there's a lot of takeaways. I can't really name them all off the top of my head. But what about you? What's the takeaways you've had?
0: I would say uh, some of the biggest takeaways that I've had is, uh, first of all, before you, I had to live with my sister. Mm-hmm. And so I had to uh, live with someone who I already knew, who was female, uh, who was not my wife. And I had to learn how to be respectful towards her while at the same time coexisting with her. For you, obviously, you're not a girl. But there's, there's like, I don't have that same shared history with you. At least not as far back as my sister. With you coming in, I had to uh, adjust to new quirks. I had to come up with new ways of having to figure out how to deal with people. Through you, I got to meet uh, some very interesting individuals. And I'm hoping that I, I can still maintain those connections. You brought a lot of people over here. People that I, I wouldn't expect would even want to come here because of the location. But they were coming here because of you. And I, I don't know if they'd be willing to come that far because of me. Because, like, I'm not as social. And I want my peace. I want my privacy. And I, I think with my with my new roommate coming in, he wants the same thing. So mm-hmm. it's like, we're probably fine with being alone. I, I think for for you... It's been both infuriating and yet somewhat inspiring watching your relationship with uh, your girlfriend, Faith. It's been infuriating because it seems like you get away with a lot of things that I never would. But it's inspiring because even though your relationship with her is not perfect, if you're not a perfect person, she's definitely not a perfect person. You somehow think that you two are perfect together. And even when that's not apparent, you two are still willing to work together and be with each other. I'm hoping that you two are together till the end. I don't know when you're going to upgrade into something more official. But I hope when that happens, Mm -hmm. and I hope it does happen, that I'm there to see it happen. Even if it means I have to hitchhike to, I don't know.
1: Ontario.
0: Ontario, yeah. For a show wedding. That would be a weird compromise. But.
1: No, I think uh, that's good. Yeah, I think, and also I also want to add it, I think it's not just your character improvements, but I think now you're kind of venturing into this podcast, you know, and I think this is going to go bigger than you've ever thought. And I think maybe this would go into a full-time thing down the road. And as you're doing your graphic design, and maybe you'll kind of, I don't know, I don't know where this will take, but I wouldn't be shocked 10 years from now if, you look back to these moments as the building blocks of what might now become what you have done in this world and what you've given to this world so i'm excited man and i think it feels like it's the right time to transition out of this house but also out of this podcast because i think you have a good grip on it and also like i just enjoy listening to it even just from a third party perspective so thanks for being
0: here with me, man. Yeah. I look forward to whenever I have you on next. and
1: uh, We'll have a season, like yearly or maybe six months from now, update of what has been going on in my life. Yes. Yeah. That'll be fun.
0: Until then, see ya.
1: See ya. Nathan. Hey, can I just say that one line? Sure, go ahead. We, I want to say this. So we should be examples to everyone that's listening that you could be roommates with people that are not like you. Because even when you're not the same as the person that you live with, you can always grow and learn and challenge one another and always find value in someone that's not like you. So we should at least be evidence to this season of the podcast that we've done that you can actually work alongside, build one another up with people that are not like you.
0: And we don't have to riot when someone forgets to pay a bill.
1: Exactly. (laughs)
0: This has been Because We're Not the Same, a podcast hosted, produced, and edited by Nathan Raymond Ray, and co-hosted by Samir McConan. To listen to more episodes, you can follow us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Verbal, iHeartRadio, or Podbean. You can also visit our Facebook page or our website bwntscast.wordpress.com. If you're interested in coming on the show as a guest, feel free to reach out to us and we'll see about having you on. Thank you for listening.